How's it going, boxing fans around the world? We have a moderate bit of events happening here. Let's go ahead and get into this real quick. It won't take that long because there's not too much, but they are important fights, I think. Preliminaries out of the way. CombatTalkRadio.net is the site. Combat Talk Radio has migrated. We are no longer on YouTube, effective a couple weeks ago. That's primarily because the voices have spoken. You are all on the podcast. We welcome you and anybody who's new listening to our channel and our coverage. And, of course, every Friday we cover the upcoming fights that we think are worth your time. If you're a boxing fan, there's a lot of other events, certainly, but we cover the ones that are the big ones that we think are worth your energy and money and time. We try to avoid the ones that we don't think are going to be that good, but sometimes we get it wrong. I think we're pretty good, though. Then after the fights, if it was a signature win or performance, we try to go after and cover it on Saturday or Sunday. And fortunately, this weekend's going to be very intriguing. I think there's going to be a lot of surprised people. This is my theory on it. People don't agree with me, especially NSB, but you know what? I'm going to call it like I see it. Let's get right into this business here. First up, of course, the main event, WBA lightweight action. Gervonta Tank Davis fighting Raleigh Romero. This is happening, I'm pretty sure, out in New York. Yeah, Barclay Center out in Brooklyn. And this is a grudge match. These guys don't like each other. They've not liked each other for a long time. Both guys are promoted by Mayweather Promotions. Tank Davis has been reached superstardom primarily because of the mentorship from Floyd Mayweather, the guidance from Leonard Ellerby under Mayweather Promotions. And so he now, his contract is up, and he wants to branch out on his own and try to make his own legacy. He has wanted certain fights that Mayweather specifically has not wanted him to take. Mayweather has tried to make sure that he was making as much money as possible early in his career while he still had that exciting aspect to him. Tank has a very exciting style, and this lends itself well when you're in the trenches with certain guys. He's matched well against certain guys. He didn't show up very well against Isak Cruz, but Isak Cruz seemed like he was just hungry and after it. Now with Raleigh Romero, it's different because Raleigh Romero, just to break this down, he's had some rough spots with him. He's very young. Even now, he started late. He started when he was 17. He actually has a, I believe it's a judo background, and just hopped over into boxing. And many people speculate, even Tank, speculate that the level of skill is just not there and it's it's going to be a wash and Tank's going to completely destroy Raleigh Romero. This certainly could happen. However, I think people are not giving him enough credit. People like Jeff the Hornet Horn, he started late. He came from a different background. And a lot of other fighters, that they start late. Like Deontay Wilder, right? He started late. He came from a different background. Um, Big Baby Miller, he started somewhat late. I'm pretty sure he did. And I think not enough credit is given to the fact that you, as a boxer, you get in there and there's certain things you expect and you train for, certain styles you train for, orthodox, southpaw, but also styles, just defensive styles, offensive styles, punching styles, hooks, you know, uppercuts. There's things you're trained to defend against, and I think that fighters like Floyd Mayweather, for example, kind of mastered the art of being able to defend against anything coming his way better than many other fighters. If you looked at Manny Pacquiao, he had a lot of flaws in certain punches and certain styles. Manny never really dealt with the bully type of style. He never really dealt with it. He certainly didn't deal very well with fast fighters either. He dealt very well with fighters that were slower. He dealt very well with fighters that were taller. He dealt very well with fighters that were willing to engage with him and fight his fight. And he deals very well with fighters that go backwards. He never dealt very well with fighters that came after him, like Jeff Horn did. Keith Thurman went backwards, so he gets dropped, right? Margachito was too slow. Barrera was coming after him, but not 
enough. He didn't have enough. He wasn't busy enough. But first fight, Eric Morales. Morales was like a bull. He would not be stopped, and we saw what happened. So I think Manny had a predictable style where he was vulnerable to certain styles coming after him, where Floyd never seemed to really show a vulnerability. It was always at the, you know, if it was an extremely awkward fighter, he would have a little trouble like Jesus Almatador Chavez, first Chino Maidana fight, and so on. So I think in this one, people are not giving Raleigh enough open credit for the fact that, yes, he started late. Yes, he has less tenure in the game. Tank started when he was seven. Raleigh started at 17. So this is all true factor and should be considered. But Raleigh Romero has tested that he has a really good chin. Raleigh Romero tested that he is he hits with power. And Raleigh throws awkward. He throws weird. Like, if he comes after you, there's actually a footage floating around of him sparring with Ryan Garcia and giving Ryan Garcia the business. And that's Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia is arguably the fastest fighter, probably the most stylistically intelligent fighter. And even uh, excuse me, Ryan was having some issues dealing with Raleigh's style. I'm not suggesting that Raleigh's going to blow out or pull out an easy win or it's obvious or none of that. I'm saying that from my eyes... I think we need to give Raleigh the benefit of the doubt here. He has been the one to sell this fight, arguably, and just see. Now, usually the biggest talker doesn't last too long, like we saw with Cobbs against Rocha, so there could be that. It could be that Raleigh is somewhat competitive but just gets blown out. But some article writers had it best when they said, this is really Raleigh's fight to win even if he doesn't win because if he just makes Tank look bad, it's a win for him. Like, everything's on Tank. It's not on Raleigh. Everybody expects Raleigh to get knocked out in six rounds or less. If Raleigh not only lasts the distance, but also is able to wobble Tank or make Tank look like he's vulnerable or take rounds off Tank or anything that makes Tank look like he's not going to win this, that's going to be a win for Raleigh. And that's what I think you should watch for because it's what's most likely to happen from my eyes and what I see. Co-main here is at WBA action for the middleweight title. And this is Erislandi Lara, the veteran fighting Gary Spike O'Sullivan. Of course, he is also a veteran. Gary Spike O'Sullivan's had a rough time of it. He's one of those battle-tested veterans. Erislandi Lara has been preserved. He has not gone to wars. Erislandi Lara, of course, he left 154 without testing himself, really. He claimed nobody wanted to fight him. Went to 160, won a title there. That's where he's defending it now. I don't know what to think about this fight because, again, I don't think much, frankly, of Gary Spike O'Sullivan. I really don't. Um, I, I'm not down on the guy. He's a seems like a nice guy. He seems like a good social media presence. Seems like he loves the fans. I just don't think much of him uh, as a fighter. He's durable and all that. I just don't think much of him, personally. Whereas Lara, he disappoints me every time he gets in the freaking ring. It seems like he just, I don't know what it is. When he fought Cornflake, Lamana sparked him out and won. That's fine, but that's just Lamana. He's not really, you know, I don't rate this guy. Other than that, Lara's had decent wins over time, but I'll never forget when Lara fought Brian Castaño and stunk the freaking joint out, and I was very pissed off at seeing that performance because I felt like Lara, Lara threw that fight away. And had Lara done what he was supposed to do, we could have been seeing the fight that I wanted to see which would have been Jamel Charlo against Erislan Dilar, and instead we didn't get to see that fight. I thought that was a missed opportunity because I felt like that would have been that would have been a very exciting fight to test Charlo because Charlo had never faced a style like that before. We didn't get to see it. I'm not really too happy with the performance of, Char- of Lara over time, and then he started going into this once a, once a year fight pattern, just like Rigan Diao. 
Laura's not spring chicken. He's not crazy old, but he's certainly not young, but he's well-preserved. But you could see with like Rigan Diao, where he just gets beat unexpectedly. I don't expect that from O'Sullivan. I think Laura's going to completely outbox him, embarrass him on a boring masterclass is my gut speed. At super welterweight, that's 154 action. Jesus Ramos versus Luke Santa Maria. I don't know either guy all that well. I've heard of Jesus Ramos. I don't rate anybody that he's fought necessarily, but I don't know too much about him. Uh, Luke Santa Maria, again, I know the name. Don't know anybody that he's fought. Um, I don't know how to piece this fight. I would expect, though, based on record and as well, fight history. So, Santa Maria traditionally fights at 147. Jesus Ramos traditionally fights at 147. They're both apparently fighting at 154. So I, that's where I don't know how that plays into the factor in the fight. I don't know. Both guys are coming off 147 and moving up. So I don't know what this means. I don't know what the fight is going to tell us or the stats tell us. Based on just record alone, Jesus Ramos feels like it should be a master class blowout inside three rounds for him. But it's boxing. You never know what's going to happen. So I don't know beyond that. And that's just based on the numbers. Could have it completely wrong. So I got, in my mind, Tank and Raleigh, it's going to depend on if Tank shows up, period. If Tank shows up, I think he dispatches Raleigh in six inside six rounds. If Tank doesn't show up or he's distracted or something goes wrong, like when he fought Gamboa, he was distracted at points. He can't do that against Raleigh. If Raleigh lands one clean shot, I think it's going to be problems for Tank. So... Depends on if Tank can stay focused, he shows up. If he stays focused and he shows up, Tank should take Raleigh out in six. If he doesn't, Raleigh could pull an upset, and I don't think it would be a stoppage. I think what might happen is that Tank might get knocked out, believe it or not, or he might lose on the cards. Losing on the cards is unlikely because it's Tank. But he's got to stay, Tank's got to stay away from the bombs that Raleigh throws. Raleigh throws bombs. <laughs> he's He's... You know, he's not awkward, no. He's kind of unrefined is the best way to describe him, but he throws bombs. His punches will hurt you. And if he lands, I don't know that Tank can take it. He's never really truly been tested on the chin by anybody, hardly, other than Pedraza, maybe. Lara, I think, completely, soundly, boringly outboxes Gary Spike Sullivan, And I'll go with Jesus Ramos, possibly by a knockout inside of five rounds. So that's our weekend of boxing, all happening tomorrow out at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, if you want to check that out. I'll circle back after the fights, see what's going on there. Next week, of course, is the exciting unification for lightweight. Devin Haney versus George CM Bunk Cambosis out in Melbourne on ESPN Top Rank. By the way, the Tank and Raleigh, if you didn't know, because it's PBC, is Showtime pay-per-view. But next week, Haney and Cambosis, that one's interesting because Bill Haney, who is normally the trainer for Devin Haney, is not going to be allowed to go out there because he has a criminal record. So he's banned from the passport side travel. So the trainer for Devin Haney is actually going to be Yoel Judah, who is, of course, the dad of Zab Judah. That throws a little bit of wrench into things, and I thought that was interesting. As well, they were changing judges at the last minute. They were doing all this stuff out there in Australia, and Devin just said, whatever I got to do to be the best and be the man, I'll go out and do it. Turns out that I think there's a rematch clause, and I think it's Haney's camp that has it. So if, for whatever reason, Haney's... Or excuse me, Cambosis can't. So if Cambosis pulls this out, or Haney pulls this out, then Cambosis will get an immediate rematch for the titles if that were to happen. And then, of course, there's things with the judges, things with the ref, things with Bill Haney. 
lot of things are working against Devin Haney. So if he's able to pull it out, kudos to him. And then if there's a rematch and he's able to beat him again, <laughs> I think it's signature for Devin Haney. and He'll be on his way to big time pay-per-views in the future. That's all we got, folks. I'll check in with you guys Saturday or Sunday with our fallout from all the different fights happening this weekend. Thank you for listening.